0: Come on, well welcome to Front Range. My name is Ernest Smith, I'm the lead pastor. We're so grateful that you guys are here. Whether you're joining us in person or maybe you're joining us online, we're grateful to have you. And um, our hope and prayer is that this will become your home. We say this every week, uh, that you'll build community, discover your purpose, and grow in your faith. In Jesus. And one of the ways that we help you do that is through what we call next steps, which we have tonight. Uh, so the Broncos are terrible. Uh, we'll have child care, food, so there's no excuse why not to come. Uh, if you haven't been before, man, I'd love for you to, to join us. It would be a great opportunity for you to um, Uh, Take those next steps in building community and discovering your purpose and growing in your faith. So you can get more information at FrontRange.org. If you can register, that'd be great because we have food and childcare and all that stuff for you. Uh, But if not, that's fine too. Just come. Uh, We'd love to have you there. Today is Celebration Sunday. Uh, Yeah, I'm I'm pumped. Uh, We uh, we started this uh, campaign uh, a few weeks back called For the Church, For the City. Uh, We're trying to raise four million dollars to be able to build something and. Uh, Man, I'm just so grateful for you guys. And today, uh, we want to announce a few different numbers. We want to celebrate a few different numbers. The first number is the percentage of regular givers who committed to this, who said, hey, we're in. The percentage of that, that number is 84% of you guys, which is unbelievable. That's incredible. That's so good. Uh, The next number we want to celebrate is uh, is we had over 300 families commit to For the Church, For the City. Out of those, 24 were first-time givers. Never given before. That's huge. That is massive. Uh, Man, I've been so humbled, Uh, so humbled by the generosity of people. I've had uh, friends from uh, pastor friends from all over the world uh, be a part of this. Uh, All of our overseers have, have stepped in. Some of your friends and family gave, which is super cool. Like some people that don't even live in town, they've said, hey, we want to give to this because our family member, our friend's life has been changed at your church. And so we want to be a part of this. I think that's so cool that people that don't even live here are like, man, we see life change and someone we love and we want to be a part of, of that life change. Uh, we have a teacher that, that uh, she teaches in Russia and she watches every weekend. She's like, I'm in, I'm in. I'm like, well, you don't even live like close to, to even our country, you know, like that's crazy. Uh, so many people, students kids, uh, single parents, retired couples, people who have a lot, people do, who don't have much at all. and so many people. And I just want to say I'm so humbled by your generosity and that you guys would be a part. All right. So now let's get to the number. The goal was 4 million. I had you do a drum roll a couple weeks ago, then I teased you. So let's do it again. All right. I'm going to actually give you the number this time. We so far are at 3,679,000. Amazing. Amazing. Now, I know some of you, you're like me. Now, if you know the Enneagram, I'm a three on the Enneagram. And if you're a three, you're like, but we didn't hit our goal. Uh, man, trust me, I, I totally get that. Uh, but let me, let me like, paint the picture here. Okay, this is absolutely the hardest season for churches and nonprofits to raise money. Like by far, by far, in decades. Okay, I have a, I have a buddy that uh, their church is 20 times our size. 20 times, they've been they've been a church for over 30 years, and they're trying to raise about the same amount of money, and he said, we're not even gonna come close. Like, nowhere close. I had another buddy, that I talked to him, and they did a, a campaign the exact same time. Uh, they, they, uh, their Commitment Sunday was the exact same Sunday, and he said, Ernest, we're not even gonna hit 50%. So to hit 92%, guys, as of right now, that's unbelievable, that is unbelievable. Now, here's what I know. I know that there's three people in this, in this room, and three of us, uh, three pe- types of people that are watching online. You're going to fall into one of these three. Okay, the first group of people are those who haven't made a commitment yet. Okay, uh, my encouragement to you is jump in. I know are some people that are like, well, I was just waiting to see what the number was and all of that. That's cool. Now you see it. We told you. Now jump in. I mean, here's the deal. If we were able to get that 84% to 100%, because we said, like, from the day one, we said our goals 100% participation. Like, no matter what that percent participation is, 100% participation. If we can get it to 100%, we're in. Like, we, we've hit 4 million, which is, it would be incredible. Okay. So some of us are like, man, I haven't committed yet. I'm still processing it. I've talked to a lot of y'all. Let's do it. Let's jump in this together. Doesn't matter the number, let's just be a part. Let's be a part of this thing together. The second group of people are those that you're like, man, I've already said my faith number, Ernest, don't ask for any more money. Uh, trust me, I hear you. Uh, and if that's you, then my encouragement to you is go ahead and start setting up your, your, your offering. Go ahead and start, putting it, you can put it into the system and you can start setting, my wife and I, we had to start doing that months ago to even try to reach our goal uh, as a family. And so you can go and start doing that. And the third group of people are those that you look at your number and you go, we've got margin. I, we, could do, we could do more. Um, I I thought about standing up here and just saying, hey, if all of us did 8% more, we'd be totally fine. We'd get there. But I know some of us, we we can't do 8% more. Uh, For some of us, we can do 50% more. Uh, So if you're looking at it and you go, man, I've got some margin, then join Sarah and I. Sarah and I are gonna increase ours yet again. We were talking about it this morning. We're like, we have no clue how we're getting there. But the Lord's going to show up. I was talking with a guy a couple weeks ago, and he said, hey, Ernest, uh, we we decided what our number was. And uh, he didn't tell me what the number was, but he said, "Uh, we decided what our number was, and then we, we wrote down the commitment card. And then that week, I got a crazy raise at work. I'm like, man, that's just how God works. Like, if you feel like the Lord is telling you to do something, then figure it out. Like, just take a step of faith and let God do something. Here's what I know. Where we are right now, which I'm just so humbled with where we are. We've already talked to our lender. We're moving forward. We're closing on the land December 18th. We're closing on it, guys. Like, as a church, as a church, like, we're stepping out in faith, right? And if all of us do that together, we're going to surpass that goal. We're going to surpass that goal. So, church, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for allowing me to walk with you in this process. Thank you for allowing me. Sarah and I were talking about it a couple couple days ago. that like, this whole process is about discipleship. Like, this is not about a building. This is not about funds. It is about discipleship. That is our heart. That is why we got into ministry. And like, the discipleship steps you guys have taken over the last few weeks have been unbelievable. And I just want to say thank you. I'm so humbled to be able to be your pastor and to be able to serve here at Front Range, and I cannot wait to see what God has for us in the future. I've never had more hope for our church and more belief in our church than I do right now. So church, I just want to say thank you, and I celebrate you, and I can't wait to see what God's going to do. If you are like, hey, we want to commit, we haven't done so, or uh, we've got some margin, here's a Connect card. I promise this will be the last time you see this thing on your chair. I promise you that. Uh, but for some of you, you're like, man, we're in, uh, and you just got to fill this out. Uh, or if you're like, man, we, we want to change ours, fill it out and put change, or you know something like that. So we it indicates uh, that you're doing uh, that. We can we can change that, and you can just drop them in the boxes, or you can leave them at your at your chair. But now um, drop them in the boxes. Don't leave them at your chair because they'll get thrown away probably. Because uh, I'm not putting these things back out. So, uh, but guys, thank you. Uh, is such a, such a blessing and an honor, and I can't wait to see what God's gonna do with our faith steps. Uh, Hey, today we're gonna be starting a new series uh, that we're calling Advent, where we're looking at this idea of Advent because it's Christmas season. How many of you, Christmas is your favorite holiday? Anybody? All right, good. Most of us. Most of us just say that. I love Christmas. Uh, in fact, uh, we have a bunch of Christmas services uh, coming up in a few weeks. We actually have a family service next Sunday called Jingle Jam. If you've never been to it, if you have kids, you better be there. Uh, my kids are already, Dad, when is it? When is it? Uh, Jingle Jam is awesome. Uh, so if you've got kids, make sure you're there. But then we have five other services, candlelight services. Um, so you want to make sure you check that out. Go to Christmas and castlerock.com, and you can get all information there. You're going to want to get tickets. They're free, of course, uh, but we will uh, pack places out. Uh, so we need to make sure we have enough room for uh, individuals. So make sure you go there. Just go ahead and start getting your tickets, get your yard signs. Uh, you can start inviting people, all of that, because uh, we know that uh, this is the number one time people are, are open to an invitation to church. Uh, so as people are in your life, invite them, and let's just see what God's going to do through your, your invitation. Uh, but this idea of Advent, uh, millions of Christians celebrate it every single year. And, and Advent means longing. Uh, so it's a season of longing. Longing for what? Over the next four weeks, we're going to uh, look at what we're longing for as individuals. And these things that we long for, Jesus came to bring us. Uh, next week, we're going to take a look at joy. And then we're going to look at love and peace. But today, we're going to start with this longing for hope. I believe that all of us long For Now I have a confession to make. Uh, My name is Ernest, and I am impatient, (laughs) like really impatient. Like the other day, my wife, she uh, she texted me. She said, I need you to to make food, Um, uh, which means she's desperate. Uh, uh, She was at work, and she said, "Uh, here's the recipe. All the ingredients are in the house. Well, supposedly, they were in the house. And I say supposedly because I only searched for about two minutes. Then I looked at the recipe and saw that it was a 50-minute cook time, and I thought, nope. What can I put in the microwave or in a bowl of milk? Like that, my kids are like, dad, what do we have for dinner? I'm like, you're old enough, figure it out yourself. You know, like I'm not responsible for you right now. Um, I'm super impatient. I go to a grocery store, I look for the shortest line or the person that's the fastest at swiping things. You know, I can't stay behind somebody in traffic longer than 10 seconds or I break out in hives and start itching. You know, like it's bad. I am impatient. Anybody else want to admit that they're impatient? A few wives are hitting their husbands. So many of us are. But have you ever realized that, like, some of the greatest things in life take time? Like, some of the greatest things in life force you to wait. I mean, think about, like, a dream job doesn't just come out overnight. A, a, a healthy and thriving marriage takes time. Having a child And then hopefully that child being a contributing member of society takes time. My grandmama's coconut cake takes time. You know, the best things in life take time. But so many of us, we struggle with waiting. And when you're waiting, there's there's one thing that you need that motivates you to continue to wait. When you're in a season of waiting in your life, you need this one thing. It's something you have to have to continue waiting, and that's called hope. But what's hope? I mean, hope a word that we overuse a lot. We say things like, I hope I win the lottery, or I hope I get a puppy for Christmas, or I hope the Broncos win the super, a game, a game. <laughs> Let's take a game at this point. We say, I hope for a lot of things, but what is hope? We've heard it said that a person can live 40 days without food, and three days without water, and 10 minutes without air, but you can't live a single moment without hope. But what is it? Well, if you're writing things down, if you're taking notes, write this down. Hope is anticipating a future that is better than the present. It's simple. It's anticipating a future that is better than the present. Now, how many of you, let's be honest, are, are entering this holiday season needing some hope? Maybe you're anticipating something different in an area of your life. Maybe it's in a relationship. Maybe you're longing for a relationship to be different. Than what it currently is right now or maybe it's in your physical or mental or maybe spiritual health and you're like man I need God to move in this area of my life or maybe it's with your kids or with the job like for me I need hope in a lot of areas right now I've got some relationships that I'm like I hope that they're better Like I hope next year I'm anticipating a a better uh, return on on my investment and and that I would invest better and and that I would have some some great relationships, some better relationships with some different people. I mean, when I think about health-wise, I'm having a a fourth shoulder surgery on Friday. Like, I'm really anticipating next year will be better, you know, physically. Uh, I think about my kids. My kids have some really big things going on right now, and I'm anticipating a better future for them a better tomorrow than what the current present is right now. My hope today is that you and I will find true, everlasting, life-changing hope. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and I just ask, God, that you would speak to us. God, you know what we're dealing with. You know what we're going through. Father, you know how some of us right now, God, we are in desperate need of hope. Just like the individual I prayed for after last service. There's so many of us in here today that are watching online that, God, we need something to change. And so we beg you to meet us in this place today. May your word speak to us in a powerful way. In Jesus' name, amen. In the Bible, you see two different ideas of hope. In the New Testament, uh, hope is this expectation of good. But it's not like, like maybe this will happen. It's a belief firmly that this is going to happen. It's not right now, but in the future, it will. It centers around this confident expectation of eternal salvation, of freedom from sin, of, of finding true peace, eternal peace and eternal life. In the Old Testament, it's a little bit different. Uh, in the Old Testament, it's about uh, having to wait, and having like tense expectations in this waiting period. Uh, that word is used for when Noah was waiting for the, the flood waters to recede. Um, hope has this connotation that, that it's like you, you're wrestling with this tension. That like you believe this is going to happen, but you're sitting in today. And, and, and you're, there's that, that tension between like I want this, but it's not right now. And this is where the Jewish people are when Jesus comes onto the the scene. This is where the Jewish people are when Jesus is born. When Jesus comes, what we celebrate every Christmas, this is where the Jewish people are. You see, up until this point, God has been speaking to them, but, but the last 400 years, he's been silent. In fact, the last time that God speaks to the Jewish people before Jesus is born is in the book of Malachi. Malachi is written around 430 BC. So if you're taking notes at home, that's a little over 400 years that God hasn't spoken to them. That's 400 years of silence. This is the God of the universe. This is the God of all creation. He's been speaking for thousands of years. He's spoken through a burning bush, through judges, through kings, through prophets, through psalmists. He spoke through a donkey. Like God has spoken a lot and now nothing? Not a hello, and I love you, and I see you nothing. And I wonder what the Jewish people are thinking at this point. I mean, are they wondering like, hey, God, is it because of my sin? Is that why you're not speaking? Or God, are you even real? It was like, I mean, I know I've been told the stories about you, but I've never actually heard you speak. Or God, do you even care? Because if you cared, you would show up. And I wonder if they're thinking that, because I think that that's what we think. Like when we go through periods of waiting, we go through periods where we don't feel God's presence or we don't sense God speaking to us, like we start thinking things like well, maybe it's because of my sin. Maybe it's, maybe it's me. Maybe I've done something wrong and that's why God doesn't seem to be close to me or maybe I never heard from God in the first place. Maybe I just concocted this idea that God exists and maybe he doesn't really exist or maybe God doesn't care. I mean, if God cared, then wouldn't he speak to me? Wouldn't he be close to me? And we get this way after like a few months of not hearing from God or a few months of not feeling the presence of God. It's been 400 years for these people. 400 years. They've been waiting. They've been anticipating. They've been hoping for God to show up. 400 years of them hoping That God would show up of this this tense expectation, this waiting period of like, like, like he hasn't spoken to us in a long time, but we know something's going to change. What are they waiting for? They're waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting for Jesus to come onto the scene. They're waiting for someone to save them. They have this hope that God is going to do something, but man, he hasn't in quite a while. Like, how do you hold on to that hope? Like, hope is an essential ingredient to life. It's an essential ingredient to faith. I love this passage in Romans chapter 15, verse 13. Here's what it says. It says, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow, say it with me, so that you may overflow with hope. Okay, good. Like 10 of you did that. We're going to try that again. Yeah, it's up there. It's up there. So just making sure. Making sure it's not, not not me. Okay, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with what? Hope. hope. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So that you may overflow with hope. But it's been 400 years. I mean, how do they hang on to hope for that long? How do you and I hang on to hope? When things seem dark, bleak, when th- things don't seem to be moving in the right direction, They're not changing. We keep praying and praying and praying and God doesn't seem to be answering. How do we hang on to hope? Let me give you two things. Number one, God's faithfulness fuels our hope. God's faithfulness fuels our hope. It's why reading the story of God is so important. It's why reading this is so important so that we remember what God has done. So we know that he is faithful. So we remind ourselves of the power of his miraculous. This is what the Jewish people did. This is why the Jewish people would talk about what God had done. It's why they would write those things out. It's why they would tell story after story to their kids and their grandkids. It's why God would say, hey, now that this has happened, I want you to set up a monument so you'll never forget. It wasn't like, hey, I'm I'm doing these things, so you'll say, hey, man, God's really cool. No, I'm doing these things, and I need you to set up monuments and talk about it so you'll never forget my faithfulness. So you'll always remember that I can do anything. You'll always remember that it was me that took you out of Egypt and parted the Red Sea. That it was me that provided for you in the desert by giving you manna every single day. It was me that rescued you from the hands of the Assyrians in 701 B.C. It was me that rescued you from the hands of the Babylonians in 445 B.C. It was me. And if you remember what I've done, it will fuel your hope. If you hold on to what I've done for you, if you hold on to who I am and the faithfulness of God, then you can withstand whatever trials you're walking through, whatever darkness you're sitting in. I love this passage in Psalm 39, verse 7. It says, but now, Lord, what do I look for? My hope is in you. My hope is in you. Our hope is... In our God who is faithful, in our God who has done the miraculous, who has raised people from the dead, who has healed people from sicknesses, who has redeemed and restored people and, and, and reconciled relationships. And, and when we remember what he's done in here, we have hope that he can do it again, that he will do it again. But these Jewish people, by far the majority of them, Forgot. And even with telling the story, even with the scriptures, even with the monuments, they forgot the faithfulness of God. And I think we're probably not too different than them. Like in a society that we're pretty impatient. We want things on our timing, when we want it, how we want it. In a culture that doesn't trust leaders, that doesn't trust institutions. I think we have a really hard time remembering the faithfulness of God. So how do you remember the faithfulness of God? Like how do you hold on to that so that you have hope in the midst of the trials and the suffering and the pain and the good times and the the challenging times? How do you hold on to the faithfulness of God? Let me give you four things, four things that I do, four things that help me to remember the faithfulness of God in my life. That, that to remember that God rescued me out of sin and darkness, that to remember that God provided for Sarah and I when we had nothing, to remember the trials and God walking with me and God healing me and all the things that God has done in my life. Let me give you four things that I do. Number one, study scripture. Study scripture because if, if I can read it in here, then maybe I'll believe it in here. Like, this thing is not just, like, a bunch of fables. It's not just, like, a bunch of random stories. Like, this thing is true. It is God's word. Even this week, this week we were, we were talking through this message, and, 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 uh, and I told them, well, I've got, you know, a couple of these things, and they're like, well, why are you giving us dates? I'm like, because I want people to understand that when I say that God rescued them from the hands of the Assyrians in 701 B.C. or the Babylonians in 445 B.C., go look it up. This isn't, like, a made-up story. This is history. And so if you believe that this is history and that this is the word of God, then when you read this, you go, okay, if God was faithful then, he'll be faithful today. If God moved then, he can move today. So studying scripture is one thing that I do. A second thing I do is I gotta be in community. I gotta be in community. This is why we talk about community groups and serving and all that, because here's the deal. There's times in your life where it might be really difficult for you to remember the faithfulness of God. And so sometimes, you need to borrow somebody else's faith. Sometimes you need to hear about God's faithfulness in somebody else's life. Like when I do that, I'm like, okay. Because if God's faithful to you, he can be faithful to me. If God loves you, I need to remember that he loves me. If God can heal you, then he can heal me. doesn't mean that he always does, but if I'm in community, then I can hear these stories. And it encourages my faith. And sometimes I need to borrow your faith. Sometimes you need to borrow my faith. We have to be in community to do that. So you got to study scripture. i got to be in community. Number three, telling the story. I gotta, for me, i got to tell the story of God because I'll forget. So i got to tell the story. I love doing this with my kids. Like, there was a few times where my kids were like, hey, Dad, tell me about your past. I'm like, that's kind of awkward. I don't know if I want to tell you. And <laughs> I love telling them because it's really God's story in my life. But I love it when we're out somewhere and we see something or experience something and it triggers a memory. And I love just telling them, hey, let me tell you about this one time. Like, let me tell you about this time when your mom and I had nothing. I was getting paid 18,000 a year. I was full-time on a staff at a church. I had a four-year degree. That's not a whole lot of money. I was putting Sarah through college. She wasn't making any money. And we could barely make ends meet. And one day, my car breaks down. And I'm like, I, there's no way I can fix this, find out the price. Like, I guess I'm going to be riding a bike. I didn't even have a bike. Like, I now have to find a bike and then ride it 12 miles to work. And then the next morning, I went into the office and there was an envelope. I hadn't told anybody. No one knew except for Sarah that my car had broken down. There was an envelope. In my mailbox, full of cash for the exact amount of money that it was gonna take to fix my car. No one knew except him. I love telling my kids stories. I love telling y'all stories. Because when I tell the story, I'm reminded of his faithfulness. It reminds me that he loves me and he's not gonna leave me. And it fuels my hope. So you gotta study scripture, you gotta be in community, you gotta tell a story. Lastly, you gotta set up monuments. That's what God tells the Jewish people to do, set up a monument. What does that look like today? For like, somebody like Pastor Brandon, means get another tattoo. You know? He goes, let me tell you about this one right here. <laughs> I'll see you over there. For me, that's journaling. <laughs> his journaling is on his arm. But for me, it's in paper. And the other day, we were, we were going through this box of, like, basically junk. And I pulled out all these journals. I just started reading them. and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, I remember that. I remember when I was praying for that. I remember how God showed up there. I remember how immature I was. And I'm sure in like 10 years, I'll be reading about what things I'm going through today. I'll be like, man, gosh, I was really immature. And I'm not great at it. But it's one way that I set up a monument to remember what God has done for me. If you want to have hope for whatever you're dealing with, that God can come through, that God will show up, then just remember his faithfulness. But even when that doesn't seem to be working, even when things seem to be so dark, the last thing you've gotta do is you gotta remember that hope is based on a person. That at the end of the day, hope is based on a person. All the prophets, all the psalmists, the entire Old Testament points to this this hope that's not found in a changing of circumstances. It's It's found in a person. It's found in the Messiah, the Savior, There's a little baby that would be born that we celebrate in a few weeks. All hope is found in him. Have you ever put your hope in the wrong place? Maybe it was in the wrong circumstances, the wrong things, maybe it was in the wrong person. I'm sure you and I, we could share stories for hours about times we put our hope in the wrong place or the wrong people. And when we do that, it's not saying that those, we get very disappointed, not because those those things are bad necessarily or, or because those people are evil or anything like that. It's because we misplace our hope. I love this passage in 1st Peter chapter 1 it says this praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ in his great mercy he has given us new birth into a living hope how through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead a living hope is only found in a person the hope that we all long for every single year, the hope that we usually put into our circumstances changing, thinking, well, if I got healing here, or if this happened with my kid, or if this would happen with my finances, or something like, like if those things change, then maybe I'll be happier. Maybe, Maybe my life will be more fulfilled. Maybe I'll have more peace. So we put our hope in these things, and God's saying, hope is only found in a person. It's only found in Christ. And so this season, if you're needing some hope, I'm gonna challenge you to ask yourself two questions. The first question is this, where are you currently placing your hope? Where are you currently putting it? Is it in a circumstance? Is it in a person? You see, you can't put it in the right place unless you uproot it from the wrong place. Like If you don't know where you're placing it, and you can't put it in the right place because you don't know where it is now. So you have to identify, okay, this is, I'm putting my hope in, in this circumstance changing or this relationship getting better or my job getting better or my health getting better. I'm putting my hope there. I'm not saying you don't want those things. I'm just saying if that's where your hope is, you have to uproot it and ask yourself the second question, which is how can you place your hope in Jesus? How can you place your hope in Jesus? I think this is different for everybody, for some of, for some of us. Placing your hope in Jesus is going to take action. Like it's a choice. It's like saying that I'm going to trust God even when I don't see him moving. I'm going to give even if I don't have the resources. I'm going to wait even when God seems slow. It takes action. You have to do something to say, I'm going to put my trust in Jesus. We're just going to go. It's like, it's like us closing on the land. We're like, wow, well, we're just going to do it. We're going to trust that God's going to come through. Sometimes to put your hope in Christ have your hope in him, you've got to take action. Sometimes placing your hope takes prayer and fasting. In this series right now, we have a reading plan um, that you can join us with. You just go to our website. You can get all the information there. But we have a whole reading plan on Advent. Why are we doing that? Because we want to get us into the word. We want to encourage each other to be praying and to be fasting during the season. That God, I, I need you so much. I need you in this season more than ever. You place your hope in him. Sometimes placing your hope is an act of worship. Sometimes it's like singing the words even if you don't fully believe them. You ever had to do that before? Like when you see words up here and you're like, "Ah, oh, that would be interesting if that happened. I don't know if I believe that. And if that's where you're at, I would encourage you as we go into worship, just sing it. Like let's proclaim it together. And let's ask God to just Impact our faith and move our hearts and draw us closer to him. I want to close out with reading this passage. we started with it. It's in Romans chapter 15. And I'm going to read this over you, I and mean, it's really a prayer. It's my prayer for you in this season, my prayer for myself in this season, my prayer for my wife, my prayer for my kids, my prayer for our church. And so as I read this, I just want you to receive it. Receive these words over your life. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, we just pray right now as we are walking into this season, God, you know where each one of us is at. And Father, I'm sure every one of us can identify an area of our lives where we need hope. We want to anticipate a better future than our current present. So God, we're asking you to show up. We're asking you to move in our hearts and in our lives. We're asking you to do miracles, to change hearts. We're asking you to bring reconciliation. We're asking you to bring healing. We're asking you, God, to help us step out in faith. We're asking you to provide. Whatever it may be, Father, and as we need hope in the midst of this waiting, I pray that we would turn to your faithfulness, that we read your word to be reminded of what you've done, knowing that what you did is what you can still do. And Father, we'd be in community so that we can sometimes just borrow the faith of others. And so that we can loan our faith out to others. I pray, Father, you would help us to take steps of faith, to trust in you. And Father, as we tell your story in our lives, as we tell about your faithfulness to us, that it would encourage us, that it would give us hope. And that God, we would set up monuments in our lives to remember what you've done so that we'll never forget. And Father, as we do that, at the end of the day, may we make sure that our hope is not being placed in our circumstances and things changing. Even though we want things to change, we're still gonna pray, God, that things change. But Father, may our hope be placed in you. As we celebrate the birth of Christ this Christmas, and we celebrate the hope that you offer us, found in you. And we know that that first starts with giving our life over to you or recommitting our life to you. And some of us, we'd say, man, we walked into this place, and to be real honest, man, we've been living our own life, kind of doing our own thing, and it's just not working. Maybe you're exhausted. God's saying, come home today. What does that mean? It means accepting, receiving what Christ has done for you. That He died on the cross for you. That He made a way for you to be healed, set free, made whole. So, if that's you with every head bowed and eyes closed, if you'd say, you know what, Ernest, coming to this place, Phil, I'm far from God, man, but I. I want to receive that. I want to come home today. I want to commit my life or recommit my life to Christ today. If that's you, I just want you to raise a hand. I want to know who I'm praying for. Amen. 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 Father, thank you for each one of these individuals. If you're watching at home, you're thinking, man, this is a step I want to take. Just text the word follow to the number on the screen. And I want you to know our God sees you. He knows you. And he is right there with you. And as a church, we will walk with you, whatever you're going through. And then, God, for the rest of us, God, help us to know what our next step is. Help us to know what we're to do so that we hang on to true, lasting, life-changing hope found in you. It's in Jesus' name.